Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Colonial Pipeline, the target of a cyber attack, resulting in the shutdown of one of the most critical supplies of oil and gas to the eastern third of the country. Is this a wake-up call for energy companies such as Marathon Petroleum? Also this morning, Mayor Christina Mern discusses the Conservancy Court's decision to hold off greenlighting the Eagle Creek Storage Basin Project, resolving ongoing sewage issues in the Spring Lake subdivision, and the auditor's recent report on the city's overall debt position. And to your health this morning, just like every other aspect of our health, it's time to get back on track with our dental checkups, or else you may learn the hard way why this is Root Canal Awareness Week. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 10th, 2021. The 130th day of 2021. There are 235 days until the end of the year. Today is Clean Up Your Room Day. So after we celebrate mom yesterday, it makes sense that you ease her load a little bit cleaning up your room. Um, it is also, again, talk about a postscript to Mother's Day. Today is National Women's Checkup Day. So let's extend the idea of uh, putting mom first by making sure that she gets her checkup, make sure that she is taking care of herself. Women's Checkup Day today. It is also National Shrimp Day, National Small Business Day, National Trust Your Intuition Day, and World Lupus Day today. So, the observances this morning. Big story over the weekend, that uh, cyber attack that shut down the Colonial Pipeline, which is a huge pipeline, uh, supplies, well, they were saying, something like 45% of all of the energy, uh, oil and gas and jet fuel and and everything else uh, for the eastern third of the country it runs from Houston up to New Jersey and um, so the southeast and the eastern seaboard uh, are really hurting because of the shutdown of this pipeline if it stays shut down for more than a few days and it's already been a few days so might start to notice that impacting the price at the pump and if it continues for very much longer, you know, impact the price of jet fuel, which in turn would be ticket prices for airline travelers and all of this. So this big, huge uh, ripple effect. And that is not the only thing. According to uh, CNN Business, many of the everyday goods that we buy are suddenly going up in price. Uh, if you go to the grocery aisle, it says here, eggs, meat, fish, milk, all up 4% so far this year. Uh, four months plus into the year. The national average price of gasoline up by 4 cents in just the past week. And if you have a baby, you already know that prices for disposable diapers have gone up by nearly 9% over the past year. And of course, disruption caused by the pandemic is getting the blame for all of it what they don't know and this is the part that the federal reserve is struggling with that uh, they were talking about on the sunday news shows over the weekend the question is is this a short-term price bump because of the impact of the pandemic or are these long-term trends that could trigger runaway inflation a repeat of uh, the kind of inflationary pressures that we saw in the 1970s. We certainly hope not, but history does repeat itself. Just something kind of interesting, something to mull over this morning. I saw over the weekend, thought I would start with here today. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories. I saw this on the uh, on the Newswire, and I thought this is really uh, interesting and something to consider as you head back to work this morning you're getting up getting ready for for work and uh maybe you're looking forward to a, a new fresh week in the office maybe you are dreading a new week at work but researchers this is kind of interesting uh researchers um looked at professional athletes and analyzed the brain activity now they used soccer players as 
the subjects of this research. Uh, but they what they did is they examined these soccer players um, who uh, took penalty kicks. Okay, so if you know anything about soccer, there's a, a foul in the penalty area. Soccer players get a penalty kick. And usually those are converted. Usually those are goals. But not always. Sometimes the goalkeeper steps up and, and saves the penalty kick and, and so on. So researchers analyzed these professional soccer play, players during both successful and unsuccessful penalty kicks. And bear with me here. I'm going to explain why this has a bearing on you if you are going to work. What the researchers found was that players activated a part of the brain used for long-term thinking during missed penalty kicks. And therefore, the scientists believe that suggests a link between overthinking things and choking. Something to think about at work or the next time you're, you're trying to do something uh, Im- important. Don't overthink it, is what they're saying. Don't overthink it. Because researchers also found that players who were able to perform best under pressure activated task-relevant areas of the brain rather than long-term thinking. The take-home message, they say, is that overthinking, perhaps contemplating the consequences of failure, can lead to poor performance. In this case, for the athletes who are taking a penalty kick, but by extension, it could apply to all of us. So if you have some sort of big project or deadline or something very important you have to attend to at work, uh, do not overthink it. Don't contemplate the consequences of failure. Just do it. Don't overthink. How many times have we been uh, told this? Don't overthink it. And now science has proven that saying true. So anyway, I just wanted to, uh, to bring that up. Something to think about as you head off to work. And uh, contemplate the business week ahead. You're welcome. A couple of other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories. An artisan... This is really weird. An artisan spirit. Vodka. Uh, this vodka made of the apples grown at Chernobyl will apparently never see the light of the day after authorities have seized it. The BBC reports that the Chernobyl Spirit Company is mad that Ukrainian authorities have seized 1,500 bottles of their atomic apple vodka because, well, nobody really knows why. Now, you would think the obvious They were made from apples grown at Chernobyl. How safe can this possibly be? But uh, Professor Jim Smith and his colleagues have been researching if food can be made from plant life that is growing in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. And apparently they argue that the abandoned land in and around the exclusion zone of Chernobyl can be restored and made productive again. They have found no evidence that the uh, fruit grown in the exclusion zone is harmful to humans. Now, the question is, do you trust that research? <laughs> um, but the the BBC says the uh, this company that made this vodka from these apples, they call it Atomic Apple Spirits. <laughs> um... They were seized. Apparently, the official reason is that they didn't have the popular, pop, uh, the proper uh, duty labels and the the the, the pop, uh, appropriate excise taxes had not been paid. But the company says that's not the case. The uh, shipment of vodka, what was meant to go to the United Kingdom, has been confiscated. But uh, they are working to try and, and get it back. Would there be that big of a demand? That's what I, I just, I saw that and I was like, I'm not sure that I would want, I'm not even sure that I would want a bottle of it 
to have as like a collector's item. Never mind drinking it. I'm not sure that I would even want it in my home, you know, but uh, they say it's safe. We may never know. And here is an item that I definitely wanted to make sure that I started with here this morning because um, this is one of those, you know you're having a bad day if, or more specifically, if this doesn't happen to you on the way to work this morning, then the then the week is not going to be as bad as it could be. You know, no matter what happens to you today, if this has not happened to you, then all things considered, it's not such a bad day. And we need stories like this on a Monday. In Brevard County, Florida, uh, fire and rescue crews responded to a crash in West Melbourne in which a, a truck carrying rebar um, went right through the front of the vehicle behind the truck. Now, it I, apparently these two trucks were involved in a crash where the rebar being carried by one pierced the front end of the other vehicle. Photos from the scene show the rebar stabbed through the center console of the truck tr- driving behind right through the vehicle's center console and into the passenger area right where the driver's right leg would be. Fortunately, say uh, firefighters say no one was injured in the crash. Can you imagine? I mean, just it's hard to describe this unless you've seen the pictures, but they're pretty dramatic. Just You're driving along, there's a truck carrying a rebar in front of you, suddenly there is a crash, and the rebar comes straight through into the passenger, into your passenger compartment, just uh, almost exactly where you're leg would be fortunately nobody answered so if that hasn't happened to you <laughs> if that doesn't happen to you on your way to work today then all things considered your day is not off to a bad start you know what i mean no matter what happens to you this morning if that is not uh happened to you then then you're doing okay there you go some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to uh, start off your monday morning WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 57, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 35. The Maumee Watershed Conservancy District has voted to table the decision on the Eagle Creek floodwater storage basin just south of Findlay so that a community meeting on the project can be held. Tim Miley, director of Findlay-Hancock County Economic Development, is a board member on Blanchard River Watershed Solutions. Judge Robson mentioned he wants to have public confidence in the project. He mentioned today that, quote, he has full faith in the project. And so we are very happy to have a public meeting and discuss the significant benefit. Officials believe the basin will reduce the 100-year flood elevation at Main Street in Finley by around a foot and a half, which is on top of the benefits being seen from other flood mitigation projects. The University of Finley held its commencement over the weekend. Samantha from Pennsylvania said she had a great four years at UF. It feels great. It's definitely mixed emotions. We definitely miss Finley. They gave me a great foundation. And going to Cornell for veterinary school in the fall, so I'm very excited. But today's a bittersweet day. We caught up with Samantha after she completed the arch ceremony with hundreds of her fellow graduates. See video on our website. A reminder that starting today, U.S. 224 will be closing for a week a little west of I-75. The project will reconstruct the roadway, raising it about a foot and a half ahead of a project to resurface U.S. 224 out to State Route 235. Elevating the roadway will lift it out of the floodway and help in ensuring access to the city would be maintained during a flood. Get more on the project on our website. Blanchard Valley Health System says Bluffton Hospital Labor and Delivery Services that temporarily closed in December due to the pandemic will not reopen. BVHS says it will maintain the consolidation of labor and delivery services to the Finley main campus. President and CEO Myron Lewis says this was not an easy decision and that the OBGYN office will remain open with physicians and midwives readily available in the Bluffton practice as they always have been to serve the community. Get more on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
We're going to jump right into it with our cover story this morning. On Friday, that cyber attack targeting Colonial Pipeline forced the company to shut down the largest transportation system of oil and gas to the eastern third of the United States. The company's 5,500-mile pipeline from Houston to New Jersey transports more than 100 million gallons of gasoline and other fuel daily, some 45% of the supply to the eastern seaboard. Now, it is important to note that Marathon Petroleum does not have any investment or ownership stake in Colonial Pipeline. However, it certainly is a story of great interest here in Northwest Ohio, being the home of Marathon Petroleum. And joining us this morning is intelligence expert and CEO of worldwide cyber and security firm AR International Consulting, Adam Roosevelt. And Adam, my understanding, you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is this cyber attack was not directly on the operation of the pipeline itself, but the company took the pipeline offline in order to isolate the attack and make sure that it did not spread to those operations, correct? Well, I will tell you, first I'll say, Chris, thank you for having me, and I'll tell you what they're reporting is obviously going to be partial. They're going to be very careful what information they release just to make sure they control what information goes out that could definitely continue to damage their reputation until they're done with the forensic attack. Uh, But my understanding is that it did impact the, the pipeline operation based on the ransomware attack. We're going to have to understand how much data was taken, if that's data you know, that gives you information on daily operations and so forth. So it had a major significant impact. Yeah, it it is a fair point. It may be uh, quite some time before we uh, truly know the full extent uh, of the attack. And from the reporting over the weekend, it appears that experts believe the most likely suspect is an Eastern European hacker syndicate with ties to Russia. Would you agree with that supposition? Well, I would surely say that um, they have to do all the the forensics possible to be 100% that they can attribute it to this organization. So I imagine they're working right now with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Department of Homeland Security, the intelligence agencies to make that statement, I would say, indefinitely. So it's definitely pointing to Russia. Uh, Again, as we've known in previous engagements, Russia has been very involved in attacking our critical infrastructure, energy is being one and obviously now we're impacting oil and gas operations so there is every the way i i interpret that is there is every reason to believe that uh, this is perhaps the latest shot in this 21st century cold war um retaliation perhaps for the president's recent strong words toward russia and toward vladimir putin and and his support for ukraine and their dispute with russia I would say it's interesting. We've got to be very careful because it could be a nation state, meaning that Russia sanctioned the attack, or it could be a nation state uh, proxy where they operate through a third party that's not directly tied to Russia. But we know with intelligence that those organizations are based in Russia and they carry out these type of attacks. We'll call them cyber heists for this regard but it definitely looks as if russia is behind it we just need to be a hundred percent sure but yes i would say the sanctions and the ongoing um conflict between the u.s and russia are definitely going to be reasons why russia would want to continue to be dominant in the cyberspace so uh it uh it definitely is it seems i don't want to say definitely because again there's much that we don't know but uh based on everything we do know about uh the history of these types of attacks that it is most likely uh, a nation state or something na- uh, nation sponsored that would be able to pull off something like this on this scale i would definitely say that is correct chris because what we saw knocking out, you know, something of this magnitude, taking out the East Coast in terms of our supply chain capabilities with oil and gas operations, and that has a ricocheting impact across the United States. I would say a nation state would definitely want to be behind such an attack, and their capability would need to be a nation state or someone equally as sophisticated yeah so uh, it actually that kind of leads to the question and again uh, touching on what we were talking about earlier the reports are that the uh, attack was not directly on the operation of the pipeline itself they put that offline uh, to isolate the threat and so on if that is indeed the case why wouldn't the why wouldn't the nation state go after the pipeline operations directly rather than trying to sneak in the da- uh, back door? Is that because that would be the weak link, or is this the digital equivalent of 
firing a warning shot across the bow? Well, I will tell you sometimes probing is a part of the first phase to see how far you can execute Mm. an objective. I would say attacking a critical infrastructure sector where you could cause harm to life has a different impact, which would then set off a chain of reactions from the United States that would be conflict-ready, meaning that we may want to use military options if we, say, lose 100 people in a pipeline operation at a facility. So you got to be very careful when you execute a cyber attack. You want to make sure you send a message, but you don't want to send too strong a message where there's a loss of life attached to that event. A, a good point. So again, kind of the digital equivalent of firing a warning shot uh, mm-hmm. without actually uh, causing any uh, physical damage here. So that leads to the, the question, ultimately, what could be done to protect this pipeline and other pipelines moving forward? Well, I think first we need to focus on modernization of the infrastructure and the technology that is being used to monitor that infrastructure. A lot of the energy infrastructure is legacy. So we've got to put a plan in place that invests money into the technology. We also need to be very vigilant with our intelligence agencies. But lastly, I would say we need to start to flex our military action in terms of when we have a nation state engaging in cyber espionage or attacks on our critical infrastructure, we have a set of tools that are military-related that could effectively carry out something more aggressive. And I think that would be the playing field that we need to be looking at going forward to slow down these threat actors as they continue to get more dynamic and aggressive. So clearly this is a story with national and even global implications, but as we mentioned here locally, as we boil it down, being the home of Marathon Petroleum, which again does not have any sort of investment or ownership stake in Colonial Pipeline, so this is not uh, directly impacting Marathon, but as a cyber and security uh, and intelligence expert yourself, what advice would you give to uh, other uh, energy um infrastructure companies such as Marathon Petroleum to prevent uh, this from happening to them? Uh, First, I would tell them that they need to hire a third-party vendor to come in and do a vulnerability and exploitation test that would essentially look at deploying tools inside the organization or even probing tools outside of the organization that will effectively attack through assimilated controlled agreement to see what vulnerabilities are there. Then I would say that they need to leverage certain policies, procedures, and technologies derived from U.S. frameworks like the National Institute of Standard and Technology, which gives you a tremendous amount of what we call security controls that they would need to assess their readiness levels at. And whatever they're not ready to fill the gap in, they would then need to invest money, time, energy to meet those requirements within the next quarter or two. Hopefully they are uh, doing just that, uh, because the one thing that we do know is that this is not going to be an isolated, so we know that this is going to happen again. We don't know where or when, but we can be pretty sure to say that this is going to happen again, because this is the modern-day warfare, if you will. It, It definitely is, and I would say they should definitely also be piped in with the Department of Homeland Security, Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency in leveraging those relationships between the government as well as the state. There are a lot of resources out there, but again, I think that vulnerability assessment is going to be critical going forward. Again, intelligence expert Adam Roosevelt, he is CEO of Worldwide Cyber and Security Firm AR International Consulting. Mr. Roosevelt, thanks very much for taking the time this morning, adding your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Finley Mayor Christina Mern is with us now in the studio, and a very good morning to you. Good morning, Chris. A um, lot of things to uh, talk about here, so I'm going to jump right into it Go here in, it. The, in the time that we have. But before we get into uh, uh, some of these other things we want to talk about, uh, I want to ask the uh, your thoughts on the launch of 
uh, Finley's Downtown Dora, which uh, officially yeah. was Friday with Art Walk. Uh, it seems that it was uh, pretty well received, the downtown yeah. uh, out designated outdoor refreshment area. It seems like it went very well. I haven't received really any feedback from the restaurants on, on issues that they experienced. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, no news is good news. Same yeah. with, you know, no no incidents involving the police. I think overall it went really well. And even though the weather wasn't perfect, right. um, I'm glad folks were able to get out and enjoy it. And I know the businesses and everybody enjoyed having the more folks downtown for the art walk. And this was uh, an idea that you supported? Yes. Yeah. So it's something that had been talked about a number of different times, but as I had talked to other communities that had it and they kind of dispelled some of my concerns. Mm -hmm. um, And I know a number of our businesses in downtown had requested it and we're like, you know, this is really another tool in our tool chest to be able to help support our businesses and and get folks out and about in a safe way. And so uh, it was something that I talked to council about. We vetted, we had an ad hoc, you know, committee to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they chose to move forward. Uh, moving on, some uh, really big news over the past week or so. Uh, the big story, the tail end of last week, the Conservancy Court's decision to hold off on greenlighting the Eagle Creek Storage Basin Project. Again, this is something that uh, a lot of uh, businesses, particularly downtown businesses uh, in Finlay, are very, uh, very much in support of. Your thoughts on the decision to table this at this point and you know does this put things even further behind it is there a concern that the again we know how long <laughs> right. this is all taken but here's uh, yet another delay yeah you know overall I'm, I'm fine with the delay because I understand um, that we, we want to have full transparency we want folks to understand the importance of this project and why this has been chosen and I think it's important to remember we've been working on this for you know for 14 years yeah pretty much and right. so we are finally getting so close so i i'm disappointed because i we i want to keep it moving because i know that every day that we continue to allow it to pass we have another risk of a flood event mm-hmm. like today right um you know we're fortunate that the bench, benching is doing its job and we didn't have significant rainfall but there's still people impacted and i know i sit there and watch the river levels and, and feel a little bit sick to my stomach Um, But this is something that impacts a huge portion of our community. Yes, certainly the downtown businesses, but overall it's about the community as a whole and the future of our community and making sure that we are protecting the residents that are impacted from this every time and the folks that aren't able to get to work. So this is obviously uh, a part of the project that you are very much uh, in favor of. Is there a concern? Does this give you pause at all to think that maybe this won't happen? Um. No, (laughs) no, I I believe that this is really still the right project and the conservancy district being involved with it. it, This is for a reason. They're still able to move forward with the project and conservancy districts were created by the legislature years and years ago for this very purpose that they know that these community projects can be very um, contentious and but ultimately what needs to be done is what's right for the entire community. Um, so I still believe the project will move forward. We still have the support of the ODNR funding, and we still continue to be advocating for funding outside of our community to build the project. The reason that we were going before the court was to get it to be a part of the official um, you know, amended plan so that if at any point in the future we needed to assess for the operation and maintenance, which is just $100,000 annually, that we had that oper- you know, flexibility ultimately you know we really don't need them to move forward with the project but we think it's important to have their support uh speaking of uh, issues with uh, water and more specifically uh, wastewater mm-hmm. the uh, ongoing uh, issues the spring lake subdivision with the uh, sewage uh, uh, system there looks like the city is going to take an offense city council will have the uh, final say on this right but uh, uh city taking over the uh sewage processing uh, okay. for that particular subdivision so late 2020 the ohio epa reached out to us and said listen we're in a bad spot this sewage system is failing Mm -hmm. and we really don't have any ability to get it rectified appropriately um, in a timely fashion why why wasn't that done obviously this predates your uh administration but why wasn't that done for the from the very beginning 
Because again, that uh, subdivision is on city water already. So Correct. why you? Well, the, those residents were on a private utility company that they wanted to maintain. Um, we, in my understanding, is that the EPA had been trying to hold that county, that um, entity, accountable, mm-hmm. um, and with no success, weren't able to really get them to respond uh, for a number of different reasons. And and as we said, this has been there have been ongoing issues for quite some time that uh, that area. And so it's really, just got to the kind of critical point yeah so i mean does this uh hopefully put an end to all of that finally resolve uh, all of those issues yes so what's being proposed is that we are working with the epa right now to look at all of the system put together the plans and design for getting the system up to the city of finley standards and that the epa would provide grant funding to cover the entire cost of the infrastructure upgrade and then the citizens would be connected to our system and be paying our standard rates then for ongoing. So meetings. there's really no cost to the to the city, basically, because Correct. the Ohio EPA would be funding the connection fees and then obviously the residents would be paying for it. Correct. Now, does this, having gone through all of this with this particular sub, subdivision, does that change the way you look at authorizing future developments? Um, not necessarily, because I think the biggest thing here, this this really is a unique situation because you very rarely have these entities that are operating and not appropriately licensed, not appropriately maintaining their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so this really is kind of a one-off uh, fluke of a situation, but it really kind of continues to show that our process of then working to vet and hold the EPA accountable and say, we'll take it over as long as it only makes sense for the community as a whole and it's going to be a burden Mm-hmm. Um, is still the appropriate way to address it. Uh, and with this uh, changeover, um, the uh, new safety service director yeah. uh, taking uh, taking up the job yes, uh, is certainly here. going to, I would imagine, make that whole process a little bit easier. Yeah, you know what? Having Rob on board has been great. You know, he's in his first week of really just kind of uh, plunging in and kind of t- starting to get his hands around all of the different projects and um, certainly hope that council at their next meeting will authorize um, me to pay Paul to kind of be on for just a little bit longer to help with this transition and, and have a smooth handoff in a number of large projects. Um, but things are going very well, and I'm, I'm excited to have him on board. Also want to uh, ask real quickly uh, about uh, the uh, city auditor, Jim Stasiak, recently uh, provided a report, not a mandated report to uh, mm-hmm. Findlay City Council, but presented a report on the uh, city's overall debt position. And uh, overall, it seemed very positive. And this is something we've talked about uh, yeah. before with respect to the city's debt position. Uh, only about uh, $10 million is going to be likely down to around 8 by the end of the year, which sounds like an awful lot of money, but in municipal parlance (laughs) that's not very much at all yeah so in the last 10 years our debt has gone down from 45 million to 10 million and if we were to take on no additional debt um, the city of finley would be debt free in 2033 Um, so right now obviously this is a report that um, we look at regularly it's provided in the budget books um, annually to council it's something that we discuss And really, it's great for us to know as we are receiving additional federal funding, how can we invest those within the community? And does it make sense for us to look at taking out some additional debt to be able to do some pretty significant projects? Obviously, with a very low debt burden, you would have the flexibility to take on additional debt should the need arise. But do you anticipate the uh, having to do that? Um, I'm not really sure. At this point, it's really going to be do we identify projects that it makes sense for us to fund rather than through cash through debt because the interest rates are so low right now? You know, from a financial perspective, you obviously never want to over leverage yourself with debt, but you also want to take advantage when there is low cost debt out there because you also never want to be in a position where you need funds and it, the cost is high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really going to be looking over the next couple of months. I know the auditor and I have had a couple of conversations about what may, makes sense. Um, and then really over the next year or so, as we have strategic planning and work with council, we may be able to identify some projects in town that make sense to do a bond issuance. So uh, this actually gives you the opportunity to look at, at some projects that maybe have been put on the back burner or haven't been addressed uh, in the past? Correct. Um, and there were a couple of, in the auditor's report, there were a couple of concerns, potential concerns uh, for the city. Perhaps, uh, I think the report mentioned a possible uh, credit rating downgrade uh, based on a couple of factors, uh, number one being 
the fallout from Goodyear's acquisition of Cooper. Your thoughts on those uh, potential negatives that may be on down the road? Yeah, so obviously anything we can do to keep our credit rating high is is important, and we continue to monitor that. Obviously, we look at a lot of different reports on what steps we would have to take to raise our credit rating, and really we're pretty well maxed out on points, points we can earn towards improving that rating. Um, unfortunately, many of the items that would potentially decrease our rating are things that are largely out of our control. Um, so as long as we can, when, when bond issuers are looking at um, the, our community, we need to be able to show how we will absorb any changes, how we are continuing to support our community to maintain our back tax base. And it was interesting, the, the auditor noted that uh, one of the companies that, that looks at rating uh communities particularly micropolitan communities uh for those uh, those bond ratings even though we're still number one mm-hmm. micropolitan for what now seven years uh right. running and and hopefully more um in their eyes uh we're actually trending in the wrong direction what do you see out of that uh, yeah so the polycom ratings are based off of sustained growth do they mm-hmm. believe that our growth is sustainable and if you look at over the past five years we've had significant you know investment um, and so they're saying the likelihood of that continuing to be maintained mm-hmm. is decreasing yeah. so i'm not concerned by that report um the uh i guess the long and short of it is to keep <laughs> defying the odds then basically is the keep is defying the, goal. the odds and recognize that um we are trying to grow in a an intelligent manner and that may, may mean that we aren't going to have the level of growth year over year um that 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 report is but it's certainly at. understandable that that concern or that uh that issue that they would be looking at and yeah it's uh, another metric because that was going to be my my question uh is does do you share those concerns but uh obviously you can understand why they would ha- hold that Correct. opinion yep yeah. i think it's important to understand the metrics and be able to place them in context Again, uh, Finley Mayor Christina Mern with us uh, this morning. Lots to get to. A lot of exactly. things going on, yeah, uh, Mayor Mern. Thanks very much for taking the time today. We of course, appreciate it. my pleasure. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A postscript to the Mother's Day holiday. It happened in Fairfield, California yesterday. Police responded to an automobile accident and discovered the driver of a for a flower delivery service. <laughs> Arrested him for drunk driving. <laughs> of all of the days to drive drunk. If you are a flower delivery person, Mother's Day. They arrested the uh, flower delivery driver who still had a bunch of bouquets that uh, had yet to be delivered. So what did the officers do? You guessed it. They gathered up the bouquets that had yet to be delivered, took the driver off to jail, as they should have. But then they personally, the officers personally, delivered the rest of the bouquets themselves. The uh, uh, Fairfield, California Police Department tweeted that they hoped to get the flowers to their destinations on time and wished uh, all of the moms a happy Mother's Day. So, (laughs) police to the rescue. But of all the days to drive drunk, I mean, really. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news in Lima. Um... (laughs) The uh, police department was looking for a wanted fugitive. Donald Chip Pugh was wanted for failing to appear in court for a DUI charge from all the way back in 2016. They had trouble locating Mr. Pugh, so they uh, posted his mugshot on social media. And lo and behold, he replied with a better photo. (laughs) He replied... To the police department's post on social media saying, that's a terrible photo. This one is better. And posted an updated photo. That's brilliant. Uh, the police responded, uh, thank you for being helpful. Now we'd appreciate it if you would come to speak to us at the uh, police department about the charges. <laughs> if uh, offering up a better snapshot of himself uh, was not audacious enough, Mr. Pugh also 
uh, issued an official statement saying, they just did me wrong. They put a picture out that made me look like I was a Thundercat or James Brown on the run. I can't do that. <clears throat> well, I guess his new photo did work. It was uh, Apparently, it was much better because a few days later, he was arrested in Florida. <laughs> so they got their man. Man. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the broken news, this is a really strange story. Um, back about a week and a half ago, authorities were called to Kid Rock's big honky-tonk rock and roll steakhouse in Nashville, Tennessee, owned by the uh, singer Kid Rock. Uh, so anyway, they were called to his restaurant, his steakhouse in Nashville. Officers found a suspect drunk outside of the restaurant. The problem was he was blocking an emergency exit. <laughs> so there was an excuse to rouse the drunk who was outside the restaurant. He was blocking an emergency exit. The man refused to leave. Police say they were called to assist security workers who reportedly said the suspect, and this is the weird part, the suspect pulled his colostomy bag out of the front part of his pants and began swinging it around like a weapon. <laughs> yes, he didn't want to leave. The police report states that two officers were struck with the contents of the bag. The suspect is facing charges for disorderly conduct, public intoxication, and assaulting police officers. So, did not end well for him. Swinging his colonoscopy bag as a weapon. That's a new one. Um, in Easton, Pennsylvania, apparently... 26-year-old Victoria Spears is not exactly clear on how laws really work. Ms. Spears told a detective who was raiding her home that she used to make a lot of money selling drugs. However, now she only sells on occasion. <laughs> so she, she tried to explain it all away. Oh, I only do it every now and then. Used to do it all the time, but nowadays just every now and then. Police, police found packaged marijuana and pills consistent with drug sales, packaged consistently with the drug sales. They also found apparent drug packaging materials. She has been charged with two felony counts of drug possession with intent to deliver, among other things. And she still uh, apparently is rather confused about why she's in trouble. I was only doing it on occasion. Oh, well then. <laughs> You're only occasionally... Uh, breaking the law. So, uh, this is uh, kind of weird. In uh, Missouri, St. Charles County, a hiker in serious condition after he was mistaken for a turkey. The local police department says a, a turkey hunter accidentally shot the hiker on Saturday afternoon. No name given uh, for the man who was airlifted from the conservation area to the hospital with a gunshot wound to his chest. Uh, they believe he will recover. At the time of the shooting, the Missouri Department of Conservation was hosting a turkey hunt in the area. It would seem to be, so if you're hiking in a conservation area, probably should be aware if there's a turkey hunt going. Might want to uh, check and see next time. Or you. And finally, in the uh, broken news, uh, this from the international file, visitors to Dracula's Castle in Romania can now get a COVID-19 vaccine while you're there. <laughs> I kid you not, medical professionals adorned with fang stickers are administering uh, vaccinations to guests at Bran Castle, the 14th century castle in the Carpathian Mountains believed to be the inspiration for Dracula, uh, the home of Dracula in uh, Bram Stoker's novel. Uh, officials say the vaccination drive is meant to pull in tourism which has plummeted during the pandemic, visitors on weekends in May will get a shot and a complimentary tour of the medieval torture, torture exhibit. <laughs> well, if it works, I guess. There you go. That is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. 
of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And um, for a while, it seemed like uh, the uh, big trendy thing to do is post uh, cat videos online. Well, these days, uh, it's dogs. Uh, everybody is uh, posting videos of their dogs and captioning them, you know, with funny captions of what their dogs are thinking and so on. Uh, so the folks at TikTok wanted to know what dog breeds tend to generate the most video views. And uh, the, they uh, went through their uh, data and the social media platform says golden retrievers have the most followers with on their platform with 9.2 billion video views. So golden retrievers, the most popular dogs on those online videos. German Shepherds are second with 4.3 billion views. Chihuahuas come in third with 4.1 billion. Pugs with 3.6 billion views. And Rottweilers with 3.2 billion views. So if you're thinking of making your dog an internet celebrity, uh, it would be best if it's one of those breeds because they're the most popular. Was the single most popular dog on the TikTok platform is Jif Palm, who reportedly earns up to twelve thousand dollars per post. Wow, that's not just dog kibble right there. Well, to your health this morning, more specifically to your dental health this morning, whether you know it or not, it is Root Canal Awareness Week, the second week of May. And that is the one thing we would rather not have to observe, frankly. But just like every other aspect of our health, a lot of people have ignored or postponed their regular checkups over the past year. And so now is the time to get back on track so that we don't end up having to observe Root Canal Awareness Week, literally. Uh, joining us are Dr. Alan Law, president of the American Association of Endodontists and patient and patient advocate Jerry Larson. Dr. Law, the fact is that uh, ignoring routine dental checkups is something that far too many people do anyway. Unfortunately, we can't blame this entirely on the pandemic, right? Uh, that is correct. Uh, Dental disease like cavities and, and gum disease often doesn't have any symptoms, so people don't prioritize getting the treatment done. But just like any other health condition, early detection and prevention are key to avoiding more expense, more pain, and, and problems later on. Has the uh, pandemic impacted dental health? I mean, as we said, a lot of people uh, ignore this anyway, but I would imagine just like everything else, uh, there has been some impact because of everything that we've been through over the past year. Yeah, our association actually did a survey and found that uh, over 50% of the respondents were not scheduling regular dental checkups, and one in three were eating more sugary snacks, probably because they're at home, they're mm -hmm. more accessible, and one in, and one in five were not brushing their teeth in the morning because they probably didn't have anywhere to go, so they were just not doing their normal routine, and all of those things can lead to greater risk of having cavities and dental problems. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, I want to bring you in here. Uh, obviously, you have a, a personal story uh, that relates to how important all of this uh, all of this is, is your experience uh, with your root canal. Well, uh, my, my regular dentist uh, found out that I had to, had to have a root canal, and he offered me Dr. Law's uh, office. And uh, I'll tell you, once you go into that place, it's a wonderful experience because they make you feel so at ease. It's nothing like it used to be to have a root canal. It's, it's, it's so easy right now. Uh, Dr. Law, we mentioned that, uh, you know, the the regular routines can help you avoid the uh, the more painful and more expensive uh, issues that come up later. And I know for a lot of folks, they've been faced with that uh, that choice, uh, either a root canal or will have to extract the tooth. Why should folks uh, always 
go for the the former rather than the latter when presented with that choice? Sure. Well, uh, as you may know, and or have friends that have had any body part replaced, like a hip or uh, any other body part, there's nothing that beats a natural body part as far as the way it functions. And certainly with teeth, uh, the natural tooth has the best form, fit, and function versus a, a fake tooth. So always try to keep your natural teeth. That is a good way of uh, of looking at it. And how do what is the difference between an endodontist and just your your regular dentist? How would one know if they uh, need one over the other? Sure. Well, first of all, you're doing a great job pronouncing endodontist. <laughs> uh, many people can't pronounce it correctly, so thank you for that. Uh, but it, an endodontist is uh, someone who's a general dentist, but they spend at least two more years getting training in um, diagnosing, diagnosing and managing pain and infections and learning how to use specialized equipment like 3D imaging of the tooth and uh, surgical microscopes to make the treatment comfortable, increase success rates, and uh, decrease anxiety associated with the treatment. So endodontists, they limit their practice to doing root canal treatments, and some have done tens of thousands of root canal treatments. And with that experience, you're going to be able to uh, provide great outcomes. Now, Jerry, as you mentioned, uh, your experience was uh, much uh, more different than uh, maybe what you thought it was going to be going in. I know a lot of folks have a lot of anxiety uh, surrounding these types of, uh, of procedures. That being said, obviously, you don't want to end up in that situation if you can avoid it, right? That's correct. But you have to, you have to go and do it. If you have that, that excruciating pain, you have to get rid of it, and that's the best place to do it, is endodontics. Uh, that is uh, certainly a good point. So, uh, Dr. Law, talk about uh, where you've got more information on, on uh, the association website uh, for folks who are, again, trying to get back on track uh, following COVID-19. Maybe they've let their dental health slide, as you were saying, and, and the survey reflects that. Um, all of this uh, type of information, where do folks find that? Sure. If you want information on the safety and the comfort you can have during root canal treatment and uh, having treatment done during COVID, you can go to the American Association of Endodontists website, which is aae.org. And then if you'd like to find an endodontist, you can go to findmyendodontist.com. We will link those resources up on our webpage as well. Again, Dr. Alan Law, president of the American Association of Endodontists and patient, patient advocate Jerry Larson. Thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that will close out our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Auditor Jim Stasiak will join us with more about the good news and bad news in his report to city leaders on Findlay's overall debt position that we were speaking about with the mayor a little bit earlier. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.